And so men need to understand that just by being there, we're bringing value to the table. And if we don't enter relationships with an understanding of that, then we're in this sort of negotiation without knowing the value of what we have to offer. Welcome to The Red Pill. Today we have a very special episode with some very special guests. Whisper and Human Sock Puppet. Say hello. Hey, Hey, great to be here. So this has been a long time coming. So unfortunately, uh, none of the usuals can make it tonight. This was kind of a, we had to reschedule, so we'll make do. But yeah, we have, uh, let's first things first, let's go through the introductions. How did you arrive at that name and what brought you to the community? This is a, this is going to be an interesting story. (laughs) Human sock puppet, human sock puppet, I think started just as a throwaway name where I had just joined the Reddit community some time ago. And at the time it was, Reddit was very different from the way it is now, but it still had some of the indicators that it was going to be changing its internal culture very soon. I noticed that in a lot of the threads that were being started, because at the time uh, Reddit did not have subreddits yet, but there were pockets uh, occurring within different threads where people would support each other, agree with each other, in spite of any other information that they were that they were receiving, you you see people using upvotes to indicate agreement and downvotes to indicate disagreement, uh, even though that was sort of against the practiced policy at the time. And so I came up with the name Human Sock Puppet as a sort of mockery of that that habit that people had of just sort of telling each other what they wanted to hear. So. The human sock puppet, the person that tells you they're they're on your hand and they're telling you exactly what you want to hear. <laughs> so the echo chamber effect. Right. Yeah, the echo chamber effect. Uh, so how did you arrive at the men's community? Like, did you have a red pill moment of your own? So my my arrival in the red pill community was actually a holdover from the old uh, seduction community. And I think Whisper talked about this in his previous interview. Uh, I was one of the active members along with Whisper and Tofu Tofu and some of the other guys where we were all active contributors to the uh, seduction community. And then as Whisper described, what we saw was a, a gradual ingress of outsiders, people who did not share seduction's mission with us. And so Uh, I was one of the uh, original people who jumped ship over to the red pill community that had been started by PK Atheist. And the red pill subreddit continued to be a place where we could speak freely, test, speak honestly about the results that we had in, in a way that encouraged sort of scientific discourse and avoided the politics of having to adjust our conversations to meet the the needs of other people's feelings yeah the locker room style i really really did like that it 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 ruffled some feathers and sometimes Mm -hmm. by design like we talked about last time yeah well the point was we didn't have to speak in code yeah all right um so we talked offline earlier so you guys actually know each other in real life like how did you oh yes how how did that how did that happen We met in college. Um, I was uh, I was coming back as as an adult student. I was about 28, 29 at the time. And uh, he was he was doing college sort of out of high school the way people generally do. Hmm. And I think we just kind of ran in, into each other in the student lounge through a mutual friend. I, and I, yes. and I don't even remember who that was. But I actually remember sort the, of uh... got into an argument. <laughs> and in the process of having this argument, we impressed each other so much that I that it, both of us kind of ended up thinking, you know, this would be a good friend to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's a sort of interesting situation, and this is, this is something that women tend not to understand about men is that it's this thing where men fight and then they become friends. 
Yeah, women will fight and then they won't talk to each other and they'll divvy up friends and become cliques. Men will fight and then trust each other because obviously if you're willing to fight, it means you have boundaries. And so you see this opportunity where, well, if this guy's willing to fight for his values, all I have to do is make myself valuable yeah. and then he'll fight Anybody for me. Anybody who makes my a back. brave and honorable enemy will make a loyal and honorable friend. It's a combination of iron sharpens iron and also game recognizes game. Yeah. 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 So Whisper um, and I hmm. butted heads during our first meeting and then very subsequently became fast friends. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Um, so for those How that long do ago know, was that now? Was that like, that must have been like 10, 15 years. Oh, God. I think they were developing bronze around the time that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so for those that know you from the community, you've got some pretty seminal posts with the uh, the guides to managing and training and teasing. But before we get to that, I know you have an interesting hobby that involves abandoned buildings. Ah, yes, urban exploration. Yeah, that's one of my uh, one of my side pursuits. Uh, man, I've got quite a few side pursuits, actually, much to the uh, chagrin of my circle of friends. They're constantly having to remind me of of commitments that I've sort well, of Well, we know not to rely on him to show up at any particular place at any particular time. <laughs> if he makes an appointment, that's that's I may be there. That's not I will be there. That's I may be there. <laughs> yeah, he has a lot of different projects going at any one particular time. So All right. urban exploration, you know, mountain climbing. I'm sure you can just rattle them off there, sock puppet. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm a nascent firearms enthusiast training with pistols, rifles, uh I enjoy writing stories, and actually, I'm in the middle of writing a story for a tabletop roleplay campaign hmm. that I'm playing with Whisper and another group of close friends. Quite a lot. Quite a lot yep. of things. Speaking of close friends, you have some uh, close house guests, I hear. One of whom just hooked you up with uh, you know, a little favor right there a minute ago. <laughs> how how did that? How did you arrive at that kind of a situation? It's very not standard. For those that don't know what we're talking about, He's not doing a standard relationship that you would normally see. So I have uh, two girlfriends, and they both know about each other. And how I arrived at this really was I interacted with females. I, I interact with every female that that, uh, that I encounter. You hear that, boys? And... You actually got to go out of your house and meet people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And don't just run game on them if you want to fuck them. Like, like, talk to lots of different women, you know, make conversation with grandmas. It's all yep. practice. We emphasize this so much. Just don't just talk to the women that you're interested in betting. Talk to little old ladies at the grocery store. Talk to the DMV clerk. Talk to all of them because they're all women and they all run on the same blueprint. So every woman that you interact with is an opportunity to practice. But... Uh, my two girlfriends I, I met in the course of just my normal activities, and during that initial courtship and honeymoon phase, I made it clear that I was not a man interested in monogamy, and I was also not a man interested in marriage, so that they should expect at some point in the future to share me with someone else. And when the time came, when I felt it was appropriate, I introduced the two of them, and they got, they got along well enough that this arrangement has continued. And we all assist and support each other. Yeah, yeah. Female jealousy is not hardwired in. It's it's part of our culture, but it can be – you can train them out of it. Interesting. Speaking of training, you have a pretty interesting guide. Human Sock Puppet's Guide to Training Bitches. Hmm. What drove you to make that? Like, where did that come from? Obviously, you've got some experience. You're living the life. That's a good question. So I would say that I started life as something of a natural in the realm of flirting and attraction. I, I don't feel like I've ever had 
a lot of difficulty in my early life with communicating my attraction for women and also in messing with them, playing with them in that typical way that gets a rise out of them, that gets the giggles flowing, that gets the tingles rippling yeah. through them. Yeah, Sock Puppet is a bit of a poster child for this, what I talked about last time in terms of you don't want to be Chad. Mm. Because he was always very good. And I, you know, I knew him before the red pill. So I saw this in person. He was very good at getting that attraction flowing. But mm. as I said, in when talking about Chad's, you know, that doesn't necessarily translate into getting good outcomes with women, because you get into a relationship with them. They're mm. just as bitchy to Chad as they are to anybody else. Yeah. And my particular dysfunction was that the moment my interactions with a woman started entering that sort of relationship phase, I began treating them differently. And a lot of that had to do with the way that I would just compartmentalize my interactions with women that I did not see as relationship material to women that I suddenly saw as relationship prospects. For some reason, my mind compartmentalized it and I treated them differently and I should not have. Hmm. So all yeah, the material- that... game does not work in relationships. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, can't, you can't pretend to be indifferent when you're in a relationship with her. So what she would interpret before this sort of willingness to not care about anything, what she would interpret as courage when you're flirting with her comes across in a relationship as cowardice where you're yeah. unwilling to confront behavior you don't like. Yeah, cowardness, uncertainty, and unwillingness to lead, all those things. And so it, was, it wasn't until I drew a parallel between my success in my career, my success in my personal life, but my failures in relationships that I noticed, wait, I'm treating these things as different and I shouldn't be. And so what I started doing was extracting the rules, the informal rules that I'd sort of formed in my head about success and career and getting people to value you, how to make them appreciate the time that you give to them and extrapolating this to relationships. And that's where all of the guides really came from, except for yeah. the one about te teasing. The one about teasing yeah. came from my nieces. Yeah. <laughs> The bitch management hierarchy is really about valuing yourself and understanding the value of what you bring to the table. And a lot of guys have trouble with this because they don't understand the female mindset. They don't understand female drives and they don't understand, therefore, that having a relationship with them is a very valuable thing to a woman. You know, they think oh, well, what does that actually do for her? You know, women have their own money now. They don't need men to protect them. What does a relationship do for a woman? And the answer is that woman, women have an inherent drive to be in relationships, just like guys have an inherent drive for sex. I mean, if you think about sex in the same way, then, you know, what good is it? Well, you know, if you just, if you want an orgasm, you can just use your hand. So if you look at it in this same logical manner, sex isn't much good to us either, but it doesn't work like that because we have an inherent desire for sex. Well, women have an inherent desire for relationships. And so men need to understand that just by being there, we're bringing value to the table. And if we don't enter relationships with an understanding of that, then we're in this sort of negotiation without knowing the value of what we have to offer. You're getting yeah. into that men are the gatekeepers of commitment. Women are yeah. the gatekeepers of sex. Men are the gatekeepers of commitment and relationships. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we yeah. need to understand how valuable that commitment is to women inherently so that we can manage how we give it out. Now, how yeah. does the, the changing landscape of dating and relationships with regards to women becoming their own providers modify this, or does it at all? Well, one thing we notice is that, and, and this we can now talk about this a little more abstractly, is that people in general tend to value a thing in direct proportion to how much struggle they 
have to go through in order to get it. So for men who give away their time, who give away their attention, who give away their effort too easily, whether it's in the the context of a relationship or say an employer-employee relationship, if you work overtime all the time and don't demand payment for it, you don't demand benefits, your employer is going to start becoming entitled to that. Well, the same is true of women in the context of a relationship. Women, they, they yeah. tend to, and this, this also dovetails with the way women take things uh, as, par, as per their imperative. It's they take things that are given to them as an entitlement, as something that was owed yeah. to them already. Yeah. yeah, not as a debt. And this is, this is actually a little more true of women than it is of men, because men, you know, playing hard to get doesn't work with men playing hard to get turns men off. And one of the reasons here is that men can see value directly. We can look at a woman and know how attractive she is. We can have a five minute conversation with her and know how pleasant she is to be with. So we don't have to rely on these kinds of secondary indicators because attractiveness in a man is basically a rubric for how useful is this guy in a zombie apocalypse. And that's not something you can see in a civilized and peaceful society. So you need these little rubrics like shit tests and social proof. And how much does he value his time? How eager is he? So to a certain extent, yeah, everyone values things according to how hard they are to get. But this is especially more true of women looking at men. So what you were just saying right there dovetails nicely into the article that Sock Puppet did for Social Proof. Social Proof is a shortcut for women, and it does not increase a man's value. Rather, Social Proof emerges from our value. It's not a substitute for it. So like what you were just saying there a second ago, Whisper, was that if a guy is being uh, like hard to get, if he's playing hard to get, that doesn't work for women the same way. But a man who's hard to get because other women want him, because he's high value, that's a completely different dichotomy. Oh, I think playing hard to get definitely does work on women. Mm. It's just easier to do if you if you have real reasons to do so and you're not faking it. Yeah, And you right. also are able to supply other kinds of social proof if you really have that value. But there's a reason we say fake it till you make it. And that reason really kind of is best summed up by Kurt Vonnegut, in fact, in uh, I think it was Player Piano. The whole theme of his story is we are who we pretend to be, so we should be careful who we pretend to be. Mother Night, so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Mother Night. Well, the key takeaway there, though, is that you actually have to have the value at some point. You can't. Oh yeah, you can't yeah. You so have long. to. You have to develop it, and yeah. acting as if you had it is is sort of part of developing it in the sense that you you acquire the habits of thought. You know, mm -hmm. even if this girl that you've been texting, which you shouldn't do. Um, is the only girl you have communication with, you should still pretend like you're very busy because mm -hmm. that gets you into the habit of valuing your time and not waiting on other people, especially women. That was a yeah. great, great way to circle back to that concept because it, a lot of guys just don't value themselves in that sense. They're way too available. They're way too eager. And what that sub communicates is just not very positive. Yeah. If you think back from like a blue pool perspective, oh, but you want to give her flowers, you want to shower her with attention and all this. Yeah. My yeah. God, that's like the polar yeah. opposite of what a guy should be doing if yeah. he values his time and his energy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Male devotion, just as devotion is worthless because women are swimming through a constant flood of it. And so when you show them a lot of devotion, they don't think, what does this mean about me? They think, what does it mean about him? Mm -hmm. You know, he's this upfront with devotion. And 
you know, devotion and the reason that women like like romance stories where a man shows devotion is if you read these very carefully and, you know, any guy who wants to pick up girls should watch some movie version of Pride and Prejudice at some point, mm-hmm. you know, suffer through it. I know it's boring. Just suffer through it and learn from it. And, you know, the the reason that they that we see this in like the romance stuff the chicks like is that they like it from male characters who have been established as high value first in the story so when she thinks the sun shines out your asshole (laughs) you can be a little nicer to her and she'll like it but you have to establish that you are god first yeah, there's so much to unpack even, here. Yeah. Oh yeah, it, it even plays back to if you look at like classic children's fantasies. These play very much into male and female perceptions of power. Women, uh, or rather girls, their fairy tales are all about being princesses, being special by virtue of who they are. Whereas yes, being beloved, well, being yeah. admired, being treated as special, having social power. Mm-hmm. Whereas boys' uh, fairy tales usually center center around being skilled, having superpowers, achieving things, taking gaining action. A, yeah, yep. taking action, gaining esteem among their peers for accomplishments, and that that centers around what men find important. Women are the princess to be rescued. Men are the ones who go out to slay the dragon. Yeah, mm. the for feminist history. notion that that these kinds of tales are disempowering to women are essentially a misunderstanding of this dynamic because feminists masculine power is the only power they understand they they hate men but they covet masculinity so in reality the appearance of victimhood is one of the most empowering things that a woman can have yeah. Karen Strong had a really good video on that about the hypo agency uh, that women have and how they wield that like a weapon. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's why every time a feminist complains about something, she immediately talks about what men need to do to fix it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Feminism, <laughs> isn't, feminism isn't a school of thought or a philosophy or even a movement. It's an algorithm. It's an algorithm for exploiting the male protective instinct for cash and prizes. Awesome. It requires the existence of the patriarchy. It is not opposed to the patriarchy at all. I'm a bit reminded of, uh, you know, gun control advocates. Most are actually in favor of guns. They just don't want you to have them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they want yeah, they want to concentrate the power in other people's hands. Yeah. 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 Feminism is simply you take this game of what I call damseling, which is the act of making yourself out to be the victim to appeal to the male protective instinct. And it's damseling on a collective scale instead of on an individual scale. And this really makes sense if you look at the typical feminist sort of leading thinker, you know, not the women who just sort of read this stuff and go along with it because, you know, some of those are smoking hot and they don't need feminism. But if you look at the ones who are coming up with the ideas, you know, they are the ones who can't really compete in the sexual marketplace They are the ones who can't damsel as effectively because they are not as appealing to male instincts. So they're going to take the damseling game collective. Oh, man. And they're going to damsel on behalf of all women so that they themselves are not being singled out in terms of their individual feminine virtues or lack thereof. Years ago, Paul Elm had a video. It ended up getting taken down where he juxtaposed uh, one of the anti-porn feminists from, I think, the 70s, Andrea Dworkin. Mm-hmm. It's like, why would this woman have a problem with a woman like this 
you know, using her body as she sees fit. And he's just bouncing back and forth between her and some porn star. I forget. Maybe it was Jenna Jameson or something like that. And it's just like you hit the nail on the head. One of the things I've observed is a lot of actresses that become really radicalized feminists. It never happens until after they've hit the wall. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes they are actually porn stars who hit the wall. Yep. Yeah. It's just it's oh a really interesting observation Women we've all kind of made. Yeah. Oh, my God. Men don't treat me like a princess anymore. I must have been getting exploited. And now I'm retroactively angry about all yep. these things that I volunteered to do. Indeed. So I think we kind of deviated a little bit from the uh, the show notes here. I kind of want to circle back around a little bit to the guides. What are one or two things for those listening that they really should try to key in on? Like what are the, the top things that you would recommend? So I would say one of the key tenets to, and we'll have to specify the guides here, uh, starting with the bitch management guide, because I think that was, the, that was the first one and it's probably the most fundamental is recognizing the value that you have as a man, the value that you bring to any relationship, whether it's a sexual relationship or a business relationship. You need to understand what you bring to the table, the kinds of things that you are able to do that other people are willing to pay you for, whether it's in cash or whether it's in services as a, as a girlfriend or a slave, whatever your, your inclination may be recognize the things that you have, the assets that you have to offer, and then understand the best way to demand recompense for all the time and effort that you commit to these people. Yeah, because women are not reciprocal. Mm -hmm. If you do something for a man, he tends to feel like he's in debt and he wants to discharge that. And this doesn't mean that women are inherently selfish. They're just not proactive about repayment. So if your presence in her life is very beneficial to a woman, you know, she will certainly be willing to repay that, but she won't if you sit on your hands and don't ask for anything. You have to tell her what you want in return and insist on it. And and she will if you are you are placing yourself in that position where you are valuable to her she is perfectly okay saying yes sir and doing what she's told women don't have a problem with that you just you need to tell them what you want because they are not mind readers yeah. well i think there's also an element of brifolt's law and something i've been saying for a long time is that you should always get yours first because of that, you you cannot expect reciprocity, because after services have been, have been rendered, it's, yes, yeah, yeah. There, if she that, thinks that if it. she thinks you're not going to be of use to her anymore, then yes, the the relationship will very rapidly dwindle. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the things that men, a lot of the value that men provide to women as part of a relationship are ongoing things. They're the things you are, they're the things you do every day. So the fact that you have, you have been this benefit in the past means that you typically have the potential to be this kind of benefit in the future. And you need to understand that and you need to de demand what you want as recompense for the effort you take. Yeah, well, and I think you guys have, was, yeah. you, you, you've segued perfectly into the second key part of uh, implementing the management guide, which is you have to be okay with issuing these orders to a potential long-term relationship as a directive. Oh, we yes, know that, this is what we call control game. Yeah, we, we know that women tend to look externally for cues on what's okay, and in the context of a relationship with a man – She's looking to you for cues on what's okay. So, and <laughs> this is now going to go back to our uh, our our time-honored tradition of being as offensive as possible. But you have to look at training your 
potential girlfriend the same way you would think about training a dog. You have to think about it in terms of operant conditioning. What behaviors do you want to encourage through rewards? And what kinds of behaviors do you want to disincentivize and discourage through punishments? Oh yeah. Well, if if I want if I can double down on the offensiveness for a moment and uh, <laughs> really get some panties in a bunch, please by all th- means. <laughs> one of the things that I like to point out is that there is no such thing as a liberated woman. You cannot free a woman. You know, you you can't give freedom to a woman in the same way that you can't really give a hat to a cat. You know, you, you, you can, you can, you can give it, but the cat doesn't know what to do with it. The cat doesn't use it. If you set a woman free, she will immediately look around for someone to tell her what to do. And failing that, she will look around for a bunch of other people that she can imitate. And women who consider themselves liberated, if you look carefully about at how they live their lives, they are all kind of looking over their shoulders at each other to see what everybody else is doing so that they know what to do. Women do not prize freedom. Well, if anybody has an an issue with this. Inherent thing, you know. All all you need to do is look no further than war brides. Two oh, words, yeah. war brides, yeah. that's it. Yeah. It's the same mechanism. Freedom is not a is not an inherent benefit to women. They might want it so they can get something else they want, but they are perfectly happy being property so long as they are treated well. And it's the treated well part that is the sticking point for them. They're not going to submit to you if they don't like what they get out of it. And they're not going to submit to you if they don't trust you. But ultimately, those... ultimately, women always get their values from somewhere outside themselves. And that's going to be either a peer group hmm. and, or from the guy they're in a relationship with. And what Sock Puppet is saying is you have to be that guy. You have to be willing to step up and be that guy. You cannot abrogate that responsibility you cannot abstain from that responsibility or your relationship will suffer for it well i yeah. feel like you have to be super high value or have high status like a celebrity but we're really, what we're really talking about here is like the resurgence of well hey, look at what happens to celebrities look at what happens to celebrities they marry these super super high status women and then a couple of years later they're getting divorced and writing them checks for hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, that, that's what I'm getting at. So like yeah. for average women looking up to a guy, here's how your hypergamy kicks in. But for guys that are super high status and they're getting with these women that are much maybe younger or lower status or lower value, lower income earners, there's this dynamic such that they're kind of like elevated. They can get away with a lot more. Oh, yeah. But when you have women that are all on the same level with income or status – yeah, celebrities who think are talking about the same level. You know, well, female that, celebrities think they bring extra value to the table and they don't. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's no such thing as as equality. You know, really if women are are set at an equal status, they will rapidly become more than equal because the protective instinct only goes one way. But I'd like to, to kind of circle back, if I may, to uh, what Sock Puppet was saying here, is, is that you have to be willing to train. And I think the next thing, if you can talk about this a little, Sock Puppet, is, is just how you go about doing that, how you go about transitioning to from showing a lot of indifference and playing hard to get to establishing that explicit control. And I think listeners would like to hear you talk about that because that's a question I get asked a lot and you probably do as well. Yeah, definitely. So this is now approaching the subject of uh, the post, uh, the guide to training bitches. And so 
the, the primary strategy for transitioning from indifference game to control game is gradually introducing instructions for her to follow. What you do is once you've decided that you want to test a woman's receptiveness to following your command, what you do is you start issuing her instructions in increasing amounts of demand. So they, they should require increasing amounts of attention and time on her part and see how she responds to each instruction of uh, incremental complexity. So you start with something like, hey, could you could you bring that over here? And you, you might crouch it in, uh, in more polite language if you're in mixed company and you're, you're concerned that uh, her pride amongst her friends and peers might get triggered if you just outright demand it of her. But you start issuing instructions and every time she follows one of your instructions, you reward her. And over time, the instructions that you get her, that you give to her will become more complex and require more attention and investment on her part. And you incrementally reward her with more investment of your own. This is qualification and hoop theory right out of our RPU 100 series. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other now that this is also key. The other thing to keep in mind when you're transitioning into the control game phase is to make sure that you are keeping her self-esteem levels balanced. And this is where a lot of young men fall down when they're trying to, when they're trying to uh, transition into control game. The thing you have to keep in mind is a woman's self-esteem will greatly affect her willingness to follow your instructions. If she sees you as too far below her, if she sees you as weak, as lacking leadership material, then obviously she's going to dump you. And she's gonna be keeping her eye on the competition and she's gonna branch swing the moment she has an opportunity. That's something that many men are acutely familiar with. But on the flip side of that, it's possible for your image in her mind to be too great, to be too grandiose. It's possible for her self-esteem to be too low. And in that situation, she might still, again, dump you. Only in this case, the reason that she's dumping you is because she's afraid that she's not good enough and that at any moment you might abandon her. And in her mind, it's better that she abandons you first so that at least she can you know, see it coming rather than to be suddenly and abruptly abandoned and to have nothing to fall back on. So that's where the guide goes into the specifics about balancing your, your negs with your boosts, as that's the term I use in the guide. You have to remember to boost your woman every so often, uh, usually with respect to instructions that you've given her. So when she's done something well, you burst her, you, you, you uh, boost her, excuse me. You prop up her self-esteem, you make her feel good, and you get her to associate those good feelings with following your instructions. And that'll keep her self-esteem at just the right level where she's got, she doesn't have too much to be cocky, but not so little that she's going to leave out of self-defense. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. have to reward and, compliance. Yeah. Yeah. And, and with that in mind, while it is not necessarily our obligation to make sure women are happy, one thing that I think a lot of people don't really realize, and this is part of the cult of self-esteem, this idea that, that self-esteem is just this wonderful thing and everybody should have it. And the way we talk about women's self-esteem, you'd think that it was some precious resource that we use to catalyze nuclear fusion or turn lead into gold or something. The way we talk about how we have to carefully preserve and husband and increase women's self-esteem. Yeah, the truth is that happiness does not really correlate to self-esteem in a strictly linear way. People tend to be happiest, and this is especially true of women, when their self-esteem is, is on par with 
with the value they bring to their surroundings. And what I mean by this is that people whose self-esteem is too low are really sort of unable to enjoy or appreciate or give themselves credit for their accomplishments. And people whose self-esteem is too high are constantly depressed and angry and upset because what they get from the world doesn't equal what they think they are entitled to. If you have some fat 300 pound warthog of a woman <laughs> who thinks that she is, you know, healthy and beautiful at any size, you know, someone who's, who's really swallowed all the bullshit, you know, she's going to be unhappy that she isn't being treated like a queen. Whereas if she were able to appreciate the reality that she is ugly, she would be able to be glad that she has a boyfriend at all if she does. And she would also be able to say, you know, maybe I need to stop shoving bagels into my face every two hours and do some intermittent fasting. And that would that is where lowering self-esteem to a realistic level can also feed into self-improvement. So I think that dread does a body good. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. I can hear the, uh, the, the steam coming out of some people's ears right now saying not all women are like that. And I don't care. Enough women are like that, that uh, we can be going on with it. You know, this yeah. is not, this is not some sort of abstract thing where we are these philosopher kings who are trying to throw aphorisms at each other in Plato's cave and figure out the universe. Yeah. We are trying to make generalizations about a large group of people that are true enough so that you can interact with that large group of people and get some successful results. And this is this is a confusion that I run into all the time with people who want to challenge red pill ideas. You know, they'll come at you and they'll say, you know, explain why dominatrixes exist. Well, I don't have to. I'm not trying to fuck them. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not trying to explain the universe. I'm explaining how to get laid. Yeah. Like I said, I have to give Ryan Stone credit for this one because not all guns are loaded, but you're going to live a lot longer when you treat them all as such. Yeah. Yeah. Same well, what all women are like that means is that every woman has, if you will forgive a software engineering analogy, Every woman has this library of functions within her that can be called. And what all women are like that means is that all women contain this total codex for female behavior. And which parts of female behavior you get depends on how you interact with them, which <laughs> brings us back to the bitch management hierarchy. There you go. Which, incidentally, if I haven't said this before, I think this is probably the piece of red pill writing that like, if you can only read one red pill article, read the guide to managing your bitches. Because, you, you know, I like the stuff I wrote, but I think that this one is probably the single one most important piece of thinking. So, Sock, were you were you sort of done explaining this stepwise, or did we just go off on a tangent and leave tangents, some things unsaid? Tangents are great and welcome, and yeah, I think that pretty much covered everything I wanted to talk about. Hmm. Yeah, I think we've gone through the notes. Uh, yeah, do you guys have any final thoughts? We can wrap this up and uh, head on over to the server and uh, introduce you to the gang. Oh, are we going to do a Q&A session after this like we did last time? I'm up for it if you are. So for those that don't uh, know, we have a community portal 
link down in the description. Totally down. All right. So yeah, let's go ahead and wrap this up. So for those that don't know, you guys have a blog over on TRP.red. Uh, where else can they find you? The best way to reach me is uh, via Reddit. Just send me a direct message and I get a lot of messages. I get a lot of mail. So have be some patience. Yeah, just be interesting. <laughs> and be interesting. It, you know, sometimes if your question is boring, I'll just be like, cricket, cricket, cricket. Also, death threats are, are boring, too. Yes. <laughs> I don't get as much of those anymore. Yeah, not so many these days. Not not as many. Yeah, I think we've become a little more mainstream. And mm -hmm. I think I think it's it's a little bit because we've kind of moved the ball. And, you know, there are some guys not naming any names who are who are really kind of upset that TRP is no longer edgy. But, <laughs> you know, I don't care. I don't care because it was it was always about the message. And if we're not edgy anymore, I consider that a win. Hmm. Oh, there's also we we did move the over to the window. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's it's funny because you'll see guys who have never heard of Red Pill, the subreddit, you know, or or Red Pill, the group, or even Red Pill, the idea. They're out there like using our terminology. Oh, They're talking I, about Chad. I love and this it. kind of thing. Yep. And I believe Chad was was something Archwinger came up with. It sounds right. I mean, I know we were the, our community yeah. is where it all yeah. started, but it's, yeah. yeah. So much of what we talk about nowadays is mainstream that people don't even blink at. Whereas before yeah. people were being deplatformed and censored. And yeah. Yeah. And that's, then. yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's another thing that, that particularly amuses me. And I don't remember if I've talked about this before, but uh, the, the more, you buy into this sort of wokeness, this political correctness, the more you, you try to appease this mentality, the more it will be weaponized against you. And, you know, that's why you can be this nice, normal, meek sort of scientist guy uh, who, who is fucking awesome to the point where he just landed a spacecraft on a fucking comet. Yep. I mean, how cool is that? You know, this this may not be precisely our type of dude, but you look at that and you just got to go, wow, man, that is cool. You are a badass. And then women will look at him and he's wearing some shirt they don't like. And they're going to harass him. And then he's going to be on television, like crying and apologizing. And meanwhile, you know, we can be saying things like women are inherently submissive. Women are just as happy being property. Liberation them, means nothing to a treats. woman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be them dog treats, you know, talking online about our slave girls and you know, nobody says shit to us because the only weapon they have are appeals to guilt, honor, and shame. Oh, and yeah, when there's you good learn on that. The, the shaming the, language. You yeah, remember that. Yeah. Guilt, honor, and shame were really just invented as tools to control you. And you make yourself immune to them, then they will leave you alone. Good they will leave you alone because they're they're not really trying to affect change in the world. They're just bullies. They're, they're trying to get bullies. free stuff. Yeah, they're trying to get free stuff, and they're trying to feel good by picking on someone. Mm -hmm. Well, they can't feel good by picking on you because, you know, they call you a misogynist. It's like pouring water on a duck. Two things before we wrap this up. What you just said, though, is absolutely true. You cannot appease these people by kowtowing to them and apologizing and being meek. It just emboldens them, and they just yeah. You just advertise more. that you're a better victim, right? You got to punch the bully in the nose, otherwise they're going to keep coming after you. The other thing too, the individual you spoke of with the shirt and that big incident, that shirt yeah. was given to him by a female friend who created it, and yeah. he was wearing it to promote her art. Yeah. So 
that is just how off the rails this stuff has gotten. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was never on the rails in the first place mm -hmm. because this is status competition. It's not about a cause at all. You have a bunch of people who they have no meaningful accomplishments. They have no meaningful virtues, either feminine or masculine. And yet they want to feel good about themselves and they want to compete for status and they want to feel superior to others. Yeah. So they, they want to be morally superior mm -hmm. and they have reimagined morality. You know, when I grew up in the 80s, how moral someone was, was you looked at their behavior. You looked at their behavior and you decided whether they were a moral person or an immoral person. But nowadays, they have reimagined this to be about, it doesn't matter what you do, being moral is about believing the right things. Yeah. And believing the right things requires zero effort. So now they can go around considering themselves superior to other people with zero effort put in. And because every single disagreement is a potential to rise in status, there is nothing that they are not willing to have an argument about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they they eat their own. They spend most of their time eating their own. Because, you know, if you're going to get an, into an argument with me or Sock Puppet or any of us online, and your big thesis is sock puppet is a misogynist you know he's gonna say no no i am not a misogynist i am the misogynist <laughs> and, and amplify, you know baby. congratulations you've scored zero points <laughs> because you've proven that you're less misogynistic than the guy who owns a pair of slave girls and has written a guide to managing bitches you know it go you so they gain much more status in their community by going after someone who is ideologically aligned with them and proving that they are more sensitive and righteous and moral than that person. So the way to win this game is not to play. I think that is a perfect summary and a good point to end on right there. And the politics of this is something I would love to explore in a future episode sometime. But for now, I think we're going to call it here. We are out of time. We will see you guys over on the community portal.